if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We've got Brendan Bergen back today on Horse Chats as a repeat guest. He's been a very welcome repeat guest, always giving us lots and lots of knowledge for coaching and teaching within the horse industry. How are you today, Brendan? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Now, Brendan, we've got you awake pretty early, haven't we? You know, I'm sort of going on to the afternoon here and um, we've got you fairly early in the morning. What time is it over there? It's 5 a.m. It's <laughs> like we'd be on the way to the event now at this stage we're eventing. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So you've got some uh, a little bit of spare time and great that you've taken yeah. some time to chat to us. Now, before we get started on that, I just want to go over the mission, just remind everyone about the mission of International Horse College, and the mission is to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of their riders, handlers, and trainers. Have a look at the wide variety of equine courses now at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, today, Brendan, I know that you do teach quite a lot of children. Uh, we're talking about 10 ways to help children learn effectively. Is that right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Now, you do teach quite a few. And what do you find? Do you find that children are having, you know, I know that sometimes you see instructors and they're just not communicating well with the kids and the kids can't learn if they're not being communicated with correctly. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the thing I always think about with kids is um, – that it's the, running that balance between delivering enough technical content that yes, makes yes. has them progress. Yep. Whereas the the big thing, like when I started teaching, was um, you have to sell teaching. So one of my um, very first places I worked said you have to sell sell the teaching. So you have to make sure they're safe. You have to make sure they enjoy it. Yep. You have to make sure they learn. And yes. You have to make sure they love it. Yes. Um, and it has to be in that order because if you if you don't have it in that order, you're absolutely stuffed with teaching kids because they, they have very little attention span, especially when they're on the younger end of the spectrum. Yep. Um, they have no idea about their own mortality. So you've got to make sure that you keep them safe without scaring them to death. Yep. Um, yep. It's like there's nothing worse to say to a child than, oh, don't do that or you'll fall off. It's not, yeah. oh, don't do that or you'll lose your balance or sure. something like that because they, you can traumatize them very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I suppose mm-hmm. um, I absolutely love teaching kids most of the time, as <laughs> long as they want to be there. Because there's some some parents have this great idea that their kids should learn to ride, but the kid doesn't want to be there. So I love teaching them as long as they want to be there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I love so much about riding. You know, people want to be there. Generally, they want to be there. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, as a school teacher, it's like, well, you've just got to come in here and you're not allowed to leave until the bell goes in the afternoon, you know, just got to copy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've got a difference here between coaching and teaching. If you say coach them and don't teach them, how would you explain that a little bit more? You know, because we talk about, and there's a lot of Oh, I think there's the language of it all, you know, the coaching and the teaching and the instructing and, and, and basically the education of it all. But if you're saying coach yeah. them, don't teach them, tell us a little bit more but, about that. I suppose like one of the big things is that that a writing instructor, writing coach has to wear different hats at different times. Mm-hmm. So my goal is always to coach. So the idea of coaching being 
developing what they have and extrapolating it out. So the first thing I'll I'll do when I teach uh, even a person who's never written before for the first time is I'll ask them a question. How do you think you do this or how do you think you do that? Like, remember that a horse is like riding a bike. So um, if, if, you, if you can get them into the way of thinking that they understand something already, you can help. So like, for example, ask them, how do you stop your bike? Oh, I pull the brakes. So how do you think you stop the horse? Okay, I pull the reins. Pull the reins. When you stop the bike, do you pull the reins hard or do you pull them, them, them gently? Oh, you pull them gently because if you pull them too hard, you end up flipping over the handlebars. Mm. So you could, if you start off teaching them with that way of thinking, you know, with that coaching mentality, it gets them engaged much quicker. Whereas lots of time you'll start, you'll see people starting off with kids and they're like, okay, to stop, you do this, to go, you do this, do this, you do this. And, you know, it, they don't remember. <laughs> Like yes. there's an old saying, you know, um, tell me, I'll forget, teach me, I won't remember, and involve me and I'll learn. Yep. I can't remember exactly what it yep. is, but yep. it's exactly the same thing. And people say, oh, you can't do that in a group. You absolutely can do it in a group. It just means that you've got to go. If you've got five in the group, you've got to have one question for everybody so everyone feels involved. So I suppose I'm massively into the idea that we're not there to be the superstar of the arena. The mm-hmm. idea of good coaching is that the coach should become obsolete and ultimately disappear. Mm-hmm. So yes. you have to start that from day one and get the kids used to from day one that they're leading their own learning. Yep, yep, yep. No, so I like that idea. That's, that's what I think about coaching or teaching. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's lots of um, lots of ideas when you're teaching that you become obsolete, you know, basically. And in a job, you know, if you get an assistant, you teach the assistant what you know so that you can progress on to a higher role because they can take over from you. Yeah, yep. exactly. Now, good frame of reference to evaluate your training and to measure skill growth. How would you explain that? <laughs> I suppose anyone who's heard any of the any of my chats before knows that this this appears uh, in every single chat because yep. I suppose the biggest thing is to make kids understand. Like you can teach any idiot to move a horse around the arena, kicking it and pulling it and doing whatever, but the biggest thing is that they all ha- they have to understand the underlying training principles. People say that oh they're too young to hear that, but. You just give it to them on the level. So um, I use sort of four um, systems that I use for um, evaluating the training. So we have William Micklem's constants, which are acceptance, calmness, forwardness, straightness, and purity. Uh, William Micklem's variables, which are direction, speed, impulsion, balance, and timing. The German scale of training, which is rhythm, subtleness, contact, impulsion, straightness, and collection. Mm-hmm. And the ABC or Equitation Science uh, International um, principles, which are basic attempt, obedience, rhythm, straightness, contact, and proof. And again, all my kids from a very, very young age will start learning about these. And, you know, what I'll do is I'll go through, say, the constants and variables one week. And then I might well, might not come back to them for a week or two. And then it becomes something I can ask a question. Oh, do you remember when we did those constants? What were they and why were they important or whatever? Do you remember when we did those variables? Remember we talked about the German scale training. We've got our dressage tests coming up at the end, end of the term. So what what are those and how? What, why are they important, important? And when the judge writes, oh, your rhythm was very good, what does that mean? And all that sort of thing. So I suppose it's really good to 
bring that in really early. Obviously, like they have to be able to go and stop and turn and stuff before you start into that sort of thing too much. But it's really important that we prepare them to go forward. Like what I always think of it is I must be the worst nightmare if the kids move on to someone else because I like to think that all my kids leave with so much more knowledge than than other than other kids that they, there's a foundation there and I suppose that's really important to me. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, now kids and I know they can't take big responsibilities, but what sort of responsibility I suppose it depends on the age. What sort of responsibilities do you give them and what age? You know why you'd give okay. a, a five year old different to a ten year old or something like that? Well, uh, to be honest, I don't. I don't think the responsibilities are that different. But mm-hmm. No matter whether you're you're going out to compete five star eventing or whether you're going to you know walk down the road, um, I suppose the big thing is in this current world, um, and certainly the way parenting seems to have gone. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy that for the parent to say, sort of, look, I'm in control of everything, and yep. like. There's a question I used to always ask kids when they first came, which was, um, oh, do you have to clean your room? And that's how I explain what I call three-part rules. So I asked them, oh, do you have to clean your room? And I'd say about 50% of kids now say, oh, no, no, mum does that or dad mm, does that. Mm, okay. And whereas if I, when I asked that when I started teaching 10 years ago, uh, sure, everyone has to clean the room. So, so that's the way I suppose I explain how we have a gradient of pressure with horses. I know I'm going a bit off topic, but anyway. Um, so... When mum asks you to clean your room the first time, it's, you know, please will you go clean your room, Mary. Second time she asks, it's probably a bit more like, Mary, go clean your room. And then the third time she asks, it'll be, Mary, clean your room. And I suppose it's to show kids that they have responsibilities at home, the same responsibilities with horses. It's just a different set of things. So the way I teach them is that there's four things that every rider must do. The first thing is they have to look where they're going and have a plan about where they're going. And that's number one. Number two is they have to decide on what speed they're going to go for that task. Yes. Number three is direction. They have to make sure they communicate to the horse what direction they're going there to go. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing is they have to have a position and balance that's going to allow them to give those instructions. Because, um, you know, you have to explain to kids at the very start that, the, you know, the horses don't understand our words necessarily. What they understand is where we're sitting, where our leg moves, because it's all about touch. I was just at um, at the British Horse Society uh, National Convention. I was actually presenting at it last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Yogi Breisner was there, who I'm sure anyone who's involved in eventing has heard of. And he he was talking so much about, about how we communicate with the horses. So he asked, the first question he said is, what is the primary method we use for communicating with the horses? And... It took a long time, but eventually we came out with, oh, touch. Yeah. He said, yeah. So yeah. so we touched them. What's the yeah. primary method we use when we when we deal with children? Uh, again, he's, he came up with this, and, and it, you know, it's touch. You know, mm. when a child is crying, the first thing they do is get a cuddle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, we've got to remember that going through that it's all about putting us, ourselves in the right place to create the right circumstances so the horse can do the right thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like that. Say that again. It's all about putting ourselves in the right place. The right yep. place to create the right circumstances for the horse to do the right thing. Yeah. Like how many times do you stand there watching someone trying to load a horse into a trailer, sorry, a float, and, <laughs> uh, and they're in the way. Yep. <laughs> they're standing on the yep. ground trying to pull the horse in. 
you've got to get out of the way. So like all my horses learn to cast in because they, they just cast in. Even the most difficult loader can learn to cast in and probably much better than if you're standing in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things I learned from Andrew is, you know, you can't stand right in front of them and expect them to come up to the trailer when you're the big scary man with the big stick. Do you yes, know what I mean? Like, yes, it just yes. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, talk about... Um underestimating young clients and I obviously just did because I said what sort of different responsibilities between a five-year-old and ten-year-old or an adult but tell me what you mean when you say don't underestimate young clients yeah well just backtrack for a second so just, mm. sorry I actually didn't make that link um for the like with with those rider responsibilities if yeah. you're if you're eight and learning to walk around the arena you've got to look around you've got mm-hmm. to look at your pathway yep whereas if you're a five-star eventer and you're coming down to a massive trocaner, you bloody well, sure, better look look at it and know yeah. exactly the pathway in and the pathway out. Mm-hmm. Speed, again, you're ace, you're learning to walk around the arena, you're walking slowly. When you're when you're coming down to um, a, a double of elbows, uh, going five star, you're going to have to ease the pace back a bit, and then when you land after the second elbow, you're going to have to canter on and get up to 600 metres per minute because you won't make... You won't make the time otherwise. Yep. Direction. If you're telling them to go to E to B, from the very start, E to B should be E to B, not near E, mm. not near B. Yep. Uh, in the same way as if you're coming down to a skinny that's, you know, a metre wide, if you don't have the horse between those flags, then you've got 20 penalties yep. straight off. Yep. Position and balance. Biggest thing kids do is they lean forward. Uh can happen a lot of venting as well that the body comes too far forward it's something that I'm working on with my trainer at the moment she's got me holding the neck strap and, and pulling on the neck strap to try and get myself sat up a bit straighter to give the horse the support so it's it's exactly the same skills whether you're going five star or whether you're going you know zero star do you know mm-hmm. what I mean anyway, yes. so don't underestimate younger clients as that is the next one so um, I think that uh, instructors can get and I use the word instructors in this case, uh, can get very lazy with young clients that they think that, oh, sure, they're going nowhere anyway. Yep. Um, I suppose one of the things I do with all our kids from like from when they start, whether they're a bibbly-bobbly beginner roo, uh, all the way up to whatever they're, they're doing in our term lessons, which are group lessons, is they all work towards doing a dressage test at the end of term and it'll show jump at the end of term. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you're a beginnery beginnery, you know, you're doing a very simple walk trot test and I'm there to help them if they get lost or whatever. But it's still it's a huge deal for them yes. to do that. But it's really important that that they that they do that sort of thing. And same way as um the more advanced clients, you know, you give them less support. Um but they're all still their learning is equally important. I think when you step into the arena, it's really easy to be enthusiastic with someone who's out jumping over 90 centimeters or they're going out to their first event. It's really exciting. You want to teach them, you want to help them, you want to coach them, you want to get them all prepared. But you should be just as excited and see the learning as just as important when they're a beginner. Yes, like, uh, we've all. I've always said it. Like when I when I was learning to teach, I was I was taught to teach by a, a lady called Joanne Logue, and what Joanne said is, "There's no point in a beginner instructor teaching beginners. Mm. You know, 
the, yep. who should be teaching beginners is the most advanced instructor in the place who can install those basic skills that will bring them airborne. Whereas any anyone can safely teach a more advanced client because they're they're not going to fall off, they're not going to get injured. They've got basic skills and stuff and stuff there. The only problem is the advanced client doesn't want to be taught by the beginner instructor. I, I was just going to say that there's a there's a bit of a principle here where um yes yes if the there's if a the disconnect works, yes there's absolutely. a disconnect between the yep. ideal the ideal yep. for for one thing and the ideal for the next. But mm-hmm. it's more I think uh, instructors beyond or coaches beyond a certain level are very quick to dismiss. Oh, you just go and teach that one. Whereas yeah. I actually love teaching the beginners because like I have I have three groups of kids that I've taught from like from zero upwards mm-hmm. and they might not be the most stylish in the world because they're only riding once a week but they really get what they're trying to do and when things go wrong like if a horse stops or runs out they don't pack they know exactly what they're supposed to do and they just do it mm-hmm. and it's just it's so rewarding like what if, if any of them ever do get horses and go forward they're just going to be a joy to teach for anybody because you know, they're they're gutsy because they understand what they're doing. Like if a horse stops, they know the horse has to stay there until I tell them what to do. Yep. And then yep. we, you know, we flatten the fence or we rein them back or whatever we do. But by giving them, you know, making them responsible, like when, when they're doing a twenty meter circle, it's a twenty meter circle. It's not a, an egg. It's nothing else. You know. So I suppose that's. I think it's just really important that every client is important. Yeah. And that yep. we really coach everyone yes yes stop i need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download so if you work in the horse industry if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine Maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, the next thing you talked about is to break exercises into simple achievable components, and we've talked about that a bit. But what's an example that you'd use, you know, that if the child wants to do something, how are you going to break that down for them? Okay, so um, I suppose, uh, to sidetrack for a second, Mm. I think that uh, as riding coaches, we massively underuse equipment. Okay. Uh, simple, simple, really good equipment. So you go and watch um, kids being trained for football and they have these the little flat cones and they have to, you know, um, dribble the ball in and out, whatever, and do all that sort of stuff. Whereas we only ever use poles, wings or blocks. <laughs> so, you know, that's all we use. Yeah. But poles, wings and blocks are, are kind of a bit crap because the horse can see them. The horse pays attention. The, the riders the horse is going to half know, oh, geez, we go outside those yokes. Um, so I, I think it's really important to use, like I use um, little flash uh, football cones all the time. So, um, so what you call I use pods? Them. Yeah, pods. Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Little flat yokes. Mm-hmm. And 
I use them for 20 meter circles. I use them for changes of rain. I use them for corners. I use them for everything. So you can make a really good lesson out of riding into the corners and all you need is eight of those little flat yeah. pods. So, yeah. what I, so what I do is I'll put a pod going into the corner and a pod going out of the corner. And the job is that the kids have to go outside the pods, between the fence and the pods or whatever. Uh, Yogi was using uh, uh, poles for the same job in uh, at the convention mm-hmm. um, last week. And it was it, it's just such a great idea to use equipment. And he did great stuff with poles. And, and he, you know, he, it was all about um, teaching people to turn. And he had them coming in and out of trot poles in different ways. And it was just amazing to see him develop the skills of the eventer in really riding club riders. So I suppose it's it's about breaking everything down. So, for example, one of the first things the kids learn to do is they learn to stop and they learn to start. And then they learn to trot. And then after that, they sit there in this big abyss of just rising, learning to do the rising trot. And that's all they do. Mm-hmm. And then they get bored out of their face doing that. Yep. So if you if you go right, you're going to do rising trot, but you're going to have to go through these pods. If you miss these pods, you're going to have to get off and do 10 jumping jacks. <laughs> it turns into a game and they're like, they're totally engaged in it. So like, you know, even my bibbly bobbly kids, they have to go to the corners and, you know, things like we, we for uh, dressage week or flat work week, we set out uh, a dressage arena mm-hmm. and they then have to get the horse between the, the pod and the pole because we, we use poles. We don't use um, the plastic guttering that lots of people use, but we we're very, we keep very simple. And it's more if you just give them small bits to do as they go along. Like, for example, this term was all about center lines. So in week one of doing center lines, we had pods and they had to ride through five sets of pods up the center line. Week two, you take away, second week you're doing center lines, you have them circle off that center line and back onto it. And you take, and you have them do that three times going up it. And then the third week of doing center lines, you take away the pods. So we're doing different exercises, but they're all for the same purpose. I think it's important to have enough insight to look ahead and go, what are we coaching today? Are we looking after look and plan? Are we looking after speed? Are we looking after direction? Are we looking after turn? Are Are we on the basic attempt level with this person? Are we on the obedience level? Are we on the rhythm level? Are we on the straightness level? And that's where having the different frames of reference can show you where you're at to see how simple you've got to break it down. And I think it's not to be afraid to make things extremely simple. Um, Richard Raygood was at this convention as well and he was teaching some like high performance people but the simplicity of the exercise he used um, was incredible and the the technical content that he put into that simple exercise was amazing. I think we have to remember that with young clients and older clients, advanced clients, beginner clients, they all need the simplicity and clarity. Because you have to remember as well, horses are not built to work things out. Yep. They're built to form habits. Mm-hmm. Riders, we like to think we're fantastically super intelligent. But we're really not that <laughs> smart. Like, look at us. We're, we're slaves to working and economy and whatever. Whereas you look at the horse in the field, they're smarter than all of us. They, they have the food served up to them every day. Yep. They have to work for one hour every day. You know, we have to remember, keep it simple. Yeah.
Yeah. Now, competition, you know, thinking about equestrian sport, competition, teaching children, how can we put all that together, teaching children to learn effectively? Yeah. Okay. I suppose the big thing I always think of is that, you know, this is, for me anyway, Yep. I think for lots, for lots of parents see horse riding as an activity, whereas it's not just an activity. So horse riding is an activity, but football is sport. Um, and I think it's really important to make every lesson uh, competition relevant and to work towards um, competition goals. So I mentioned that we, we do in, little in-house competitions. Now, the kids are not competing against each other, really. It's just more the idea that they have to work towards a goal or the development of specific skills or whatever. So what I tell all our kids to do is, you know, we have three terms that they do. So that means they've got three dressage tests. So I ask them to keep their dressage tests from the first term, the second term, the third term, and to look back on them and go, was there an area that they did really well in? Was there an area they would wish to improve? Was there an area they did really well in? And can they see where they need to improve? I think that's what competition does. Yep. Yep. Is it, it or should do is it should be about your personal improvement. Now, how do you get them to understand the idea of their personal best or personal improvement and then personal best? So what I always ask them when they're when they've done say say for example, like center lines is the big thing this term. So I, I try and pick a theme every term. So yep. this term was about riding center lines and I ma- you map that over into your jumping work so all the lines we were working on this term were sort of related distancy lines maybe a few bending lines and it's all about keeping the horse straight so what you what what, what you do is or what I do is I ask them when they've when they're doing their individual work on the center line you ask them well what would you give that center line out of 10 invariably the, the youngest kids will say oh I give it a 10 <laughs> because they don't know any better. Sure. Uh, so you ask them, well, is there anything you could do better? Oh, yeah, I could. I could do this. So 10 means it's perfect. And then I'll go, okay. Maybe it's it's an eight. And usually what you're, what I'm trying to do is I'm always trying to negotiate them down to a seven <laughs> because seven's a really good place to put a child. And you explain to them, like, again, explain to them coming up to the dressage test that if we get 70% we're extremely happy because 70% is pretty much as good as we're going to do. 60% we're still happy. So I use the traffic light system. So, you know, red is zero to three. Orange is four to six. Green is seven to 10. So I I try to explain to them that, you know, we want to be in the green zone, but if we're in the orange zone, it's not too bad. If we're in the red zone, we're in trouble. And if you explain to them that idea, that they're always trying to get at least a seven, then they start to rethink about how well they're doing. And same thing in jumping. You make it that it's not about the jumping. It's about look and plan, speed, direction, and position. Because especially when they're they're young and you're and you know they're going over a tiny little stepping over a tiny little crossbow, oftentimes the horses will walk. And in a way, thank God they do, because sometimes the kids would bimble off if they actually even ambled over it and tried. (laughs) But it's still, for that child, it's a huge achievement that the horse walked over the tiny crossbow. Like, instructors can be standing there looking at them going, oh my 
God, for God's sake, you are just rubbish. <laughs> I hate teaching you, in, hopefully inside their head. But you have to tell them that they're brilliant because they did exactly what they were told to do. Yeah. They, got, they got the horse over the thing. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's mm-hmm. what I, I do. And I think of personal bests. And, you know, it's really easy to switch off teaching, particularly beginners, um, because they don't bring much to the table. You have to bring everything. Yep. Yep, yep. Now I get that. I get that. Yeah. Now you ask them lots of questions. What sort of questions? Okay. So again, this repeats back to the idea of coaching. Like, yep. It's really easy to stand there and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Says the man who won't shut up. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you have to ask them. You ask them questions about, like, you know, like one of my big questions is, we'll have a jumping exercise set out, and I'll ask them. So what are we doing today? Have a look. What do you see? And again, when you start off with the young kids, they're like, oh, I see a red pole, I see a yellow, a yellow pole, I see a blue pole, or whatever. But you see, as they progress on, they'll go say things like, oh, are we going from the red to the blue on a bending line? You know, like that's one of the ways I start off asking questions. You know, what do you, what do you think we're going to do? What are the pods there for? Why is there a pod over there? You know, and and it just gets them thinking. And again, it puts them puts them in charge of their own learning and then you ask them a sort of as they're going along oh, how did that go I think how did that go is one of those cop-out questions that lots of coaches especially young when they're starting out ask as a cop-out mm-hmm. um, and I think you have to be if you're going to ask them how did that go you have to have an idea of how you think that went and and lead them with questions to what you think they should be aware of so it's, it happens that I've got a few um, younger pony club eventers that come and you ask them how they go and they'll say things like, oh yeah, it went well, I got over it. But <laughs> when I'm coaching them, it's, it's, it's not good enough that they got over it. Yeah. They have to have got over it, gone down straight and halted where I told them to. And it takes them a while, but once they get that idea that it's not about the jump, suddenly the change in their competition work uh, is stark. It's unbelievable the change that can happen if you can ask them questions and bring them to the idea of what they should be doing. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And this, you know, if you've got riders that are riding once a week, so it's not quite like a rider that's out and they've got a few horses and you give them a bit of work in between. If they're only riding yeah. once a week, what sort of homework can you give them? So for my once-a-week people, I, mm. I, I do a few things. So – my principle of what I do is I throw resources at people yep. and that means that with a bit of luck, some of the resources might get used. So we do, for our dressage weeks, we, I do a, a sheet which has diagrams of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I do, uh, there's a few little words on it, a few little bits of information on it. Most people don't look at it, but it's there. So that's one thing you can do. Um, I used to give it as hand, paper handouts, but you used to find that they'd be left in the coffee yes. room or whatever. Yes. So I stopped doing that. And I'm not destroying the planet for people to not learn. Anyway, so that's one thing you do. My little So how do you uh, give them the diagrams in? They're on the website. Yeah. So okay. there's Good. we've got a, lear- a learning page on the website and they can yep. click in and look at them. I think most people don't bother, but that's okay. I can live with that. It's there. <laughs> it's um, there. Yeah, it's there for the one or two that do. Yep. Exactly. Then you go. You can do things like most kids over here certainly ride a bike. So you go, right, when you're riding your bike, I want you to turn your head. You know, simple things mm-hmm. like that. Turn your head and look before you turn. And 
you can see the kids that go and do it because there's lots of kids that will go and do that. They're like, oh, great, I can ride my bike and pretend to ride my horse. And if you can integrate that into their work, other things I, I'll have them do is when you go up the stairs, stop on the bottom step for a minute and put your knees over your toes and put your heels down. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you have to give these things with very low expectation of return. But again, it's like you said, for those one or two kids that do it, it's great. Yeah. Because some kids, my wife's always reminded me, remember, for you, this is every day. Like we're, we're doing it every day. It's, it's great. Whereas this is some of their, these kids, it's their whole world. It's mm. what their whole week builds up to. Yep. And if you can give them an integration into their daily life that makes them feel they're working towards their passion, that's brilliant. And that's yep. what we try to do. Okay. We did for a while, we did, we did videos, but unfortunately it just became too time consuming. We used to do like a, a pre-video uh, each week for doing the, for, for whatever exercise it was, I'd get someone in and we'd do it. But it just, we just ra- don't have the time to do yes. it anymore, unfortunately. It was yeah. a great idea, yeah. but it's just, we just didn't have the time to, to do it. Sometimes it's good, you know, the first time of the term of a session, like 10 sessions or something, and then at the end of yeah. 10 sessions. Yeah. Now, yeah. This, this two stars and a wish, you've talked about it before, and um, I'm sure if people would like to listen, they can go back and just go to horsechats.com and search for Brendan with an A or Virgin um, and just go there and, and talk about two stars and a wish. But just to, to keep people on track, tell us again about the two stars and a wish and um, why it's so beneficial. Okay. okay. Again, it, it, it's, one of those, it's one of those things that, again, people are probably bored to hell here and because I, I there's a lot of repetition in what I have to say but I have everyone whether they're working towards an eventing goal whether they're a beginner rider or even for me I have a little book I write down my stars and my wishes so uh, a star is a skill that has improved so for example I start them off and they give me a small star mm-hmm. so a small star might be I kept my heels down yep okay and then a wish is something they wish they had done better, something they, they could do better. So they can't wish that they were taller or anything like that. It's got to be something, some kind of a skill. So, like, I wish I was able to keep Billy straighter mm-hmm. after the jump. Because um, oftentimes with young kids, like, that, on that idea is, Billy goes over the jump and then Billy immediately turns and the kid nearly falls off and they go, oh, my God, I wish I could stay on. Or I wish I didn't nearly fall off. And you go, well, what could you have done differently? What? Because not falling off is a pretty crap wish. Um, so you get lead them to the idea that the wish should be, I wish I could keep Billy straighter. Yep. Okay. And then the, the last thing I always do is I ask them to a big star. What was the big star of which you did today? Oh, I was straight all the way up before the fence. And I, I just have everyone do that. And I do it. I write down my stars, my wish. And, What's great is that if you look back after, they're not allowed to look back, you don't look back at for six weeks, but if you look back in six weeks and see where you were and see how your stars and wishes have developed, you'll be amazed actually how much progress you made that you didn't really know that you made. Mm. So that's why mm. I do my stars and wishes. And it was actually one of the kids brought the idea to me from school. Oh, all right, my teacher does this. And I went, oh, hang on a minute. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And now I just do it with everyone, adults, kids, the whole lot. I think just as a habit, you know, the two stars and a wish keeps them a bit more focused during the lesson because they're thinking about what they have to come yeah. up with at the end of the lesson, you know, so they're more focused yeah. about this was good, this could be improved. 
Yeah, and it's also it's it keeps it very positive because as soon as you start thinking of stars and wishes, there's an element of magic to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, what do you need to work on? Always sounds like, what what did you do kind of crap? Do you know what I mean? Or and what went well is always the thing that instructors and coaches always have as the back burner thing. So it's what went well and what you need to work on. So the person leaves thinking, oh, need to work on something. Whereas you want them to leave going superstar this is my star here's my other star but there was also something to work on in the middle yeah 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 so i suppose that's that's the way i think about when we're trying to help children learn effectively there's they're different from adults but we've got to treat them the same in a similar Mm -hmm. kind of way yes yes and i think that magical two stars and a wish it's a lot better than the sandwich feedback yes yes Yes. okay Brendan, wonderful talking to you. You know, I can tell you've got lots and lots of tricks up your sleeve about teaching children to learn effectively because lots and lots of experience. And I think from that experience, from that passion, you've been able to um, bring together a really good chat for us today. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to chatting with you again very soon. Thanks, Lamis. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 